Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. We are live in the lion's den. Starting off the day great. It's going to be a good weekend. Remy, what? how's your day going? <sighs> I thought you'd never ask, Stefan. <laughs> no one ever asks me. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually doing really, 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 really good. Really, really good. I had some serious conflict in my life for the past couple of days and like was in a situation where I felt like I wasn't given the full details. I was given some of them, but the details I was given felt really heavy and felt like it was going to force me to make some really hard decisions in my life. And uh, I was like for a couple of days, just like super stressed out and just like full of emotions and anger and frustration um, and just trying to process my thoughts. And I was able to talk with the the person um, about the conflict that it was like directly kind of with not like them personally, but like a decision that was made about something. Um, and honestly, like, uh, the Holy spirit could not have been more clutch. Like, cause I knew that like, if I were to lead that conversation in my flesh, it would have been so damaging and would have been really unproductive for us to have. And like leaning on the spirit, it was just able to guide me in a way where, spoke gently and spoke with truth, but also like did in a way where it like helped resolve the conflict. And ultimately like we reached the same conclusion of like what we desire as like a resolution. And that was like last night at midnight and I've, I've had so much peace since. So it's been a good morning. Congratulations. Those well, are, thank you. Those are always hard, but when you get to the other side and you feel like, man, yeah, this was so good. That's a great feeling. Yeah, because it's like when you face conflict, like we've done episodes about like how to deal with conflict. And it's one thing to like preach it and to like say like the things that everyone says and read the the notes on like what to do. But when you're really facing it, like actually like applying what you teach and how to do that. And so it stretches you a lot. So it was really good. It was really good to, to do. There was a lot of great communication through it. Um and yeah, God is good. So I'm doing, I'm doing pretty great today. It's been a good day. Good. And yeah. to go with the good day, we had awesome discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, what a really good, um, podcast that you're going to be listening to. So we go through chapter 19 of judges. And if you've never read chapter 19 of judges before, it's a pretty crazy story. Um, there's a lot of, and if you're new to the series, don't start on chapter 19. <laughs> Yeah, I, feel like, I mean, if you do, it's going to be a great podcast and yeah. you're going to really enjoy it. But the story would be crazy to start on. Right. It's one of the great, I think I say this in the podcast, but it's probably one of the most jaw-dropping, eye-opening stories in the whole Bible. Yeah. I um, mean, it, tie, it I mean, like, yeah, it, it ties with like Sodom and Gomorrah, but kind of goes to the next but level. But then it goes to the next level. So um, it ha- we had really good conversations that came from it and... Um, I would just encourage you that what we talk about, we talk about, um, the importance of not settling for some sin, like, Hey, that sin's really bad, but I do this one. Yeah. So it's, it could be worse. No, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> we talked about, um, the importance of forgiving and accepting forgiveness and how we're supposed to receive forgiveness from others. Yeah. Um, we had really good conversations. So I just want to encourage you. I know this is a sad chapter. I know there's some pretty gruesome stuff that happens in it, but listen to the podcast because I feel like, um, there's some really important things that we can pull from the text and really grow in. Yeah. Which is all the more to say that like all text matters, all scripture matters. All of of it. We talk about it a little bit in it. Like it's a chapter that a lot of pastors and a lot of like commentaries try to skip out on because they're like, this is, 
pretty horrendous stuff and you, you're not trying to like pull like a, a good thing that's like applicable to like add into life from it because it's it's not one of those texts where you kind of want to you know um but nonetheless like it is there for a reason mm-hmm. and there are insights and truth to it that can be helpful for us and even like when i think about it it's like we still read history books about hitler about stalin about you know like Genghis or what's his name uh Genghis Kong one of like the the dudes that's like one of the worst that's ever existed like we still read history about those people and they've done horrendous horrendous things but like there's there's a reason why we learn about it and there's like lessons to be learned and like we need to be reminded of like truth sometimes and especially from a biblical standpoint like we need to be reminded of like how far sin goes like sin has no boundaries and when we stray from God and we stray into our hearts and our flesh and we feed into those things like it can lead us to really extreme places so yeah a lot of great discussion um a lot of um a lot of good things that we talk about and a lot of good takeaways so uh with that being said Stefan, you ready to jump into this i'm ready let's do this All right, brother Stefan, we are in chapter 19. Or it's a pretty spicy one. What's going down? Yeah, chapter 19 is probably one of the most horrifying chapters in the whole Bible. So it's actually kind of crazy. There are people that won't even touch this in commentaries or even talk about it. They just kind of they kind of skim over it. Um, we're going to hit it head on. And we're going to take the bull by the horns, but I just want to let you know that some of the topics and some of the things that we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about what it says in the text. We're not going to dive deep into what, like the sin of it, yeah. but we are going to say what the story is. Right. So the very first verse, it says in those days when there was no king in Israel, and you can almost just stop there of there was no king and just sets up to know that this is going to be a pretty sad story. Yeah. There's no no one's leading the charge, no one's the example, no one's good, and we're about to hear this horrifying story. So there's this Levite, and what he does is he starts to sojourn, just kind of like how we heard about the Levite who's with Micah. There's these priests who are just kind of wandering, <laughs> which yeah. is not good. And he ends up taking a concubine. And the fact that it talks about how it's his concubine and not a wife already puts implication that even though he's married to her, she doesn't have the status of a wife. And it's this kind of side thing. And it says that she's unfaithful to him. Mm -hmm. And she ends up leaving him and going to her father's house. And after four months or so, he goes and he tries to make things right. So it it even says, it says that um, her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her back. So there's something that I kind of wanted to talk about. And it was the father-in-law. And so he takes him in for several days and then they're merry and they're eating. And I think this is a good example. So back in the day, like if uh, a woman were to marry somebody and then were unfaithful and they were dropped and like now they, they have nothing. Right. And so him coming back for this woman, this concubine, he's taking her back and he's giving her a second chance of life. Yeah. And so the father-in-law is super grateful and over the top. He actually holds him for an extra several days like they're supposed to leave. And he's like, no, 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 stay for bread. Like stay for more drink, stay the night. And he's just so hospitable mm-hmm. to um, 
to them, which is kind of ironic because you're going to hear how there's another city who's not hospitable at all to him. But I just kind of want to talk really quick about the concept of when someone forgives you, what do you do in return? Like, is it just like, man, a thank you? Or should be should we be over the top thankful? Like it should be like the father-in-law who is so over the top in his gratitude and thankfulness for how this Levite forgave. Yeah. No, we <clears throat> yeah, forgiveness, uh, I think the more we understand the power of the cross and what Jesus did for us, the more um we understand the value of forgiveness and like the power that comes with it. And when we do experience forgiveness um, from other people, uh, we're not like, I don't know. We we're not like super over the joy, like all this stuff. Like we might be like super thankful and like internally and stuff, but um, I don't know if like every circumstance is going to be the same as like being able to host the person that, you know, you had sinned against and getting to like celebrate them and do that kind of stuff. I think we live in a little bit of a di- different culture, but um, I, I I would say that we as a culture don't value forgiveness enough in the first place or even think it's necessary. We kind of think of this like forget and move on thing, which is like there's truth to that, but like you like have to forgive more than anything in order for you to like move on because um, it, it just carries like a burden around you when you hold on to that stuff. And so um, we don't even get excited about forgiveness because I don't think that we care enough about forgiveness in society in the first place. I think what we need to do is you brought up Jesus. And I think what we need to do is we need to have the same kind of heart as the father-in-law when it comes to Jesus. He was every day. No, I can I do more. I want to do more. Take more. Eat this with me. Enjoy life with me. I I want to, I want to thank you. I want to be grateful. And sometimes we can be like what you said is just thanks and move on with our day. Yeah. And so like, what kind of posture do you have towards the cross? Is it like a thank you, man, I can do whatever the heck I want now. Or is it, you are so good to me. I want to give you back. I want to give back. I want to give more. I want to give more. So that's That's great. That's a cool kind of little concept. So anyways, they end up leaving. And what they do is um, they're traveling and they ended up leaving the father's house late, later than normal because Mm -hmm. they're, they're starting to travel and it's starting to get dark. And um, he had the, the donkey saddled up and his concubine was with him and they were near a different city. And the servant said to his master, come now, let us turn aside to the city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. And the master said to him, we will not turn aside into a city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. And he said to his young man, come now, let us draw uh, near to this place of Gibeah um, at Ramah. And so there's this interesting thing, this, this thing that happens here, where this Levite, he says to his servant, no, 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 we're not going to go to that place of mm-hmm. foreigners because it's not going to be safe. It's not going to be safe there. Yeah. We're about to dive into what happens in Gibeah, but it's not safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a horrible thing, a tragic thing happens. And I think this is kind of something that um, we kind of need to talk about a little bit. But we, so right here, what's happening is he's basically saying in parallel is, hey, that those foreigners, those pagan people, they're not safe, but the church is safe. Yeah. Is the church 
always safe. Mm. Yeah. And let's dive into that. Yeah. Is the church always safe? No. <laughs> Why? Uh, we're still human, man. We, a lot of us still, I don't know. There's, there's like, I feel like there's a lot of reasons, but I think the root of it is that at the end of the day, we're still humans. We're still sinful and like hurt people, hurt people. And I think that on like, like unwelcoming and, and hurtful situations can come into, um, different people's lives. And like the enemy is it's a spiritual warfare out here. Like he is after us and he will snatch and grab whoever he can, especially those people within the church, because Jesus even says it himself, like a house divided against itself, itself cannot stand. And so the enemy, if anything, he's more after the church than anything else in the Mm -hmm. world. And because of that, like we are going to face temptation. We're going to face trial. There's going to be situations that come up. And like, if we're not like prepared for those things, like it, he wins in those circumstances. And there's just a lot of circumstances where the enemy wins. He gets a grasp of us and it, uh, it just, it leads to, to, to horrible situations. Yeah. So I'm thinking as a listener, yeah. I'm hearing this and it's like, okay, fooreigners, not safe. Church people, not safe. Yeah. <laughs> so do Nowhere I have, safe. so do I, do I have to go to church then? If like there can be some situations that pop up in the church, like then is church a place I should go? Yeah. So I don't know the statistics, but I do know that the majority of accidents that happen in a car happen within like a five mile radius of your house. So if there's a chance that you can get into an accident, horrible accident, literally you could be doing everything right. Like I watched, there was, there was an accident that actually happened in Los Angeles last week that was Literally, it, it, it was hard to like watch the video. It was this woman. She was fighting with her husband at a bar. She was drunk. She left. She was totally drinking, flew through an intersection when it was a red light and like killed like six different people. And what you just watched the car explode right on the spot. And it was like so hard to watch. And you just realize like those people were doing everything right. They were on the road. They were going through the intersection. They had the green light. They were doing everything fine. And still like outside circumstances just wrecked them. And in the same sense, it's like, you know, you could be doing everything right, but there's still that chance that you could be hurt in an accident and get into a car accident. But like, are you going to never drive your car again because of that? And like, Mm. you have to know that there's like safety precautions. Like that's why like we like need to not be texting while driving. It's why we need to like pay attention while we're on the road and looking in every direction and being aware of our surroundings and stuff. And in the same way, it's like, no, we, it's not that we shouldn't go to church, but we need to be aware of things like that and that they can happen. And we just need to learn to listen to the voices when things do happen. And I think that we miss that a lot. Yeah so important and i i hope that people are hearing this is um i think the reason we bring this subject up is i think that we put unrealistic expectations on churches right if you look at the new testament every single letter not a single letter that was written to written to a church was like you're killing it good job like i'm so (laughs) excited to get out of jail so i can go party with you (laughs) you know and it's like hey no we have some stuff to work on like you guys are doing you're a little bit off base here and so i think the important thing to know is you need to be plugged into a church you need to have community but it's very important to find a church that's humble yeah 
It's very important to find a church that's honest Mm -hmm. and is willing to take advice and is willing to hear things. There is, um, I was meeting up with this guy and he attends a, a different church. It's not the church that I work at. And it was so cool because he was telling me there was something that the church was doing that really frustrated him. Yeah. Um, they had, and, um, anyways, there was, there was something that they were allowing in the services Mm -hmm. and he says it was causing a distraction for people to worship and for all this stuff. Right. So he's just a normal attender and he goes up to the elders of the church and was just like, Hey, I know this is, this is going to sound weird. Like, obviously you've made a decision to do this. You might have your reasons, but I'm going to tell you why it's really thrown me off of like my worship and it's probably done it for other people. They listened and then they made a change. Mm. And I was just like, dude, that's crazy that like someone in the congregation was able to like go and give points of like, Hey, I feel like you're a little bit off base here. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you're right. I am a little bit off base. So I just feel like people are going to make mistakes. Like you said, Yeah. but we need the church because not only when you were talking about how, when you, I thought this is where you're going to go with that car accident analogy is in your life, you can feel like you're doing everything right and you're not in a church. Right. But at some point, you're going to get in an accident. Right. Because you're going to be constantly doing something. Like there might be a job loss or family loss or whatever it is. And you need a community. You need a body around you. And you need people that are on the same page of you, that there is a God in heaven. Yeah. And are talking to you about a hope and a future and a faith Mm -hmm. and not just like, hey, we're just chromosomes and like atoms (laughs) and it's okay. Yeah. They're in a better place now. Like they're, you know, like instead of just giving you words, they're giving you hope and Mm -hmm. and understanding that there is a greater calling. So anyways, church is so valuable. Right. And um, anyways, it's, it's very important to have a church, though, a body that's humble and wants to really seek after the kingdom of God. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, moving on, um, they, they get to the, they get to Gibeah and they find this man and this guy, he's so nice. It's almost like the story of, um, the Samaritan, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. He's like, invites him in. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's uh, an old man, right? So he's, he's an old man. He's an older man and he gives them straw to feed their donkeys and there's uh, bread and wine for the female servant and for him and the young man with your servants, um, there is no lack of anything. And the old man says, peace be with you. I will care for all your wants. Um, do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him to this house and gave the donkeys feed and he washed their feet and they ate and drank. Like that's like, this guy's doing so awesome for them. Yeah. And then we get to the crime. We get to this horrible event. And so we're just going to go through it. So, all of a sudden, there's pounding on the door. Boom, 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 boom. And these men, they're they're begging the this old man, the owner, to send out the guy that came, the traveling, the yeah. Levite. And they say, we want to know him. And what they're saying is they want to rape him. Yeah. They want to know him intimately and not in a consensual way, but they, they want to rape him. And mm-hmm. there's a kind of a tie to this. There's the story of Lot. Mm-hmm. And Lot is Abraham, so he's one of the like the first people of our faith. Right. Um, and his um, nephew, he's in Sodom and Gomorrah, and some of you guys have probably heard this story, but mm-hmm. he's in Sodom and Gomorrah, and these angels go in to save them, and then the people come, and they start pounding on the door, and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. who are those men? Who are those angels? We want to know them. Do you want to talk more about just kind of like the parallels of those stories? 
Yeah, so Sodom and, and <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah is like I think the more popular story that people will still kind of talk about. Um, like I feel like, um, honestly, when when I first read into Judges nineteen again, I was kind of like, wait, this story's like in scripture, and kind of was like, well, I've totally forgotten that this like is here. But like everyone hears the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, they're like, oh yeah, the two cities that burned up and it was totally corrupt, and Lot was the only one that was somewhat like righteous, or at least just was not as evil as the rest. Um, and the story of like his wife and how she turns and looks at the city, turns to a pillar of salt, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, very, very parallel in the sense of just the level of corruptedness and wickedness that is going on in this city and in Gibeah and how all of the men have come out. And it's not even like you can, the parallel on the on the same level is like, they're not asking for the women. Like the men are asking for other men. Like it's, it's like sin just knows no boundaries. It's just as, as bad as it gets, it'll get, it still will get worse. But, um, yeah, between the, between the two cities or between the two stories, um, there's just a lot of parallels with, uh, how corrupt it is and, um, like God's judgment and, and how it's going to come through, um, for both of them. And you see the, the story of sounding more and the, the, the final result of that, um, and this of course is also during the beginning of judges. This is not like, or at least not the beginning of judges, but like during the timeline, it's not actually happening later on after the judges have already happened. This is happening beforehand and stuff. And so, um, we will eventually come to see God's judgment, but, um, unfortunately in this situation, it's not the escape of Lot and his family and that they get out of there. It, it's the opposite. Yeah. And something that I think is really important to bring up is Sodom and Gomorrah was not cities of, of God. Mm. They were separate. They were pagan cities and they're, and they're doing this sin. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I, I read this once and I heard it also in a sermon. It was about how, so some people talk about how Sodom and Gomorrah was like the sin of homosexuality was their sin. But um, from what I've read and understood about the culture, really what it was was sin of inhospitality. And so what they would do is when they had someone new come to their city, they would perform this act. They would they would know them. They would rape yeah. the person so that if they wanted to live there, they had to go through this horrible process. And so Sodom and Gomorrah, historically, um, they're known to have zero homeless people. Like it was only wealthy people. Mm. Um, because they would go through this terrible initiation. Right. So you're not going to be homeless and live there because you would just be abused yeah. and hurt and all this stuff. Right. And so it was almost like this weird cult of like, hey, if you want to be wealthy and a part of this thriving city, you have to go through this terrible situation. I don't think that's the same for Gibeah. This is a traveling person, but they're doing the same crime. But Gibeah is a part of Israel. Yeah. It's a part of God's nation and they're doing this crime and it does, has nothing to do with inhospitality has everything to do with just awful, horrible, um, violating sin. And so I think that 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 similarity is kind of crazy. It's like almost, you can kind of expect that from Sodom and Gomorrah because it, there was no rules. Right. But now we have Israel that's supposed to have rules. And the very first verse in this, chapter says there was no king yeah and even i mean it says you know 
there was no king and they did what was right in their own eyes. And that just goes back to remind us like how dangerous it can be when we think that we know what is right. Like if that doesn't speak to the, the volume of our flesh and the power of sin and the evil that we're capable of creating, like we think that like people like Hitler and Stalin and all of them, like those guys, like we could never be like that. And obviously like they're, they're they are extreme to some extent, but we always like take away the power and, and just the truth of understanding like how sin, how powerful sin is in this world. And like, it ultimately can get the best of us when we think that like, it's, it's not as bad or we don't think that, you know, you, you kind of trickle lightly into a sin and then it gets bad. So for an example, pornography, when you're first exposed to stuff, you're usually just kind of watching normal heterosexual relationship between one person, male and female. But then as times goes on, like you become numb to, to what you've witnessed. And so you kind of like, it's like an itch. And so it kind of grows and grows and grows. Like this is backed by science. I'm not, I'm not a scientist to, to, or psychologist to explain the behavior behind it, but in very basic terms, we become numb to that level that we've consumed. And so we take an initial step slowly into the more extremes and eventually gets to a place where a lot of them watch extremely violent, um, acts where it's like one girl and nine guys, like stuff where it's the most extreme things that you could ever imagine. It becomes a form of entertainment and pleasure for guys and girls to watch, but it like, it takes time. But like, we don't think that we could ever get to a level like that. We're like that, like you see that at first when you're like first being introduced, you're like, Oh my gosh, like that, that is intense. But like, if you slowly trickle into it, like you're going to become numb to it and your, your flesh, that sin inside of you, it's constantly craving for more. And it's always going to want more and more and more. And unless we cut it at the roots, like that's where we'll find ourselves, find ourselves eventually. Yeah. You talking about this just reminded me of, um, a really sad story. And so I just kind of want to make this like super clear. Um, if you're battling with that kind of stuff, that is not true intimacy. That is not something that is what God wants. And um, there is this guy um, that I knew. And so what he, he, he struggled with that kind of stuff. And what ended up happening was is he and his um, soon-to-be wife, they waited until... Um, until their wedding night. And what ended up happening was he started to do things on their wedding night that he thought was intimacy because he had been trained and had been watching things online. And um, what ended up happening was he started doing things that were not appropriate and not okay. And um, she ended up being super scarred by it. They ended up having to go to counseling for a long time. Um, and it really ruined the first three, four, five years of their marriage. And so I just want to say, like, you should not have anything be what's right in your own eyes, and especially um, intimacy and sexual um, preference and stuff. That needs to be all through the lens of purity and how God intended it. Um, and it needs to be holy in the yeah. confines of marriage. I don't think that we should ever dabble in that, in that stuff. So if you're struggling with it, please find help, mm -hmm. get accountability. Yep. So, um, kind of moving on from that. So they're pounding on the door. They're asking for the man to come out. And, and the older guy who's the owner of the home was like, no, please don't take the man. I have a daughter and there's a concubine here. Mm -hmm. We can give you them 
and you can do these horrible acts to these two. And um, so terrible, but what ended up happening um, was the men would not listen to him, so they seized, um, they seized the concubine and made her go out with them. Um, and then and it says they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And so this guy, this older guy, he doesn't give in to their initial request, right? That he doesn't he doesn't go, no, please don't do that to the guy. This is horrible. This is um, violating. It's outrageous. Please don't do it. But you can do that with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of want to bring up the 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 when we settle, when we don't do a big sin, but we settle for a literal, like a smaller sin, does that make us less guilty? Because this guy, he didn't do the big thing. Yeah. But he like kind of manipulated it and changed it to a smaller thing. Does it mean that it's less guilty? So for instance, I'll bring up some examples and then shoot it over to you. Okay. We're not having sex but we're doing everything underneath it. Mm. Um, you know, I'm um, maybe even kind of like, I'm I'm not reading my Bible, but I'm like talking to people about God. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't do the bigger things, but we're settling for smaller things. Is that okay? Yeah, so I guess there's two perspectives on that. There's like the eternal, like God perspective when it comes to like ultimate judgment, um, and and that kind of like right or wrong side of things. And then there's the other side where it's like us personally and what we believe about it. And I think that uh, the best way I could answer that is that like ultimately every sin is like worthy of death and punishment like like if you are guilty of one sin you're guilty of all sins like scripture tells us this right but obviously like different sins have different levels of effect on us um and like i think that's true if you're like constantly sleeping with a partner before you're married to them like there's there's some pretty extreme consequences that come with that going into marriage but if you're someone that's like kind of struggling with like intimacy or you're kind of doing things but you're not like at the full level of sex like Obviously, like you don't come with that much baggage compared to the person who is like sleeping with them for like years going into it. But I think that for the Christian who has the Holy Spirit, that that guilt is the same because you know what you're doing is wrong, but you're trying to twist and manipulate it. And because you're doing that, you know, the ultimate consequences of like, if I was like sleeping with someone before, like, um, I was married to them and, uh, but if I was the other side and I was like just kind of like trickling into it, but I'm like, but I'm not going to have sex, but like we'll do all the other things right up to it. It's like in my heart, I'm still feeling the same amount of guilt because I know that like I'm manipulating it and I'm trying to just do it for my own pleasure and feeding my flesh. Um, and even though like on paper, it's less than like what sex would be. But like in the eyes of God, he sees beyond it. He sees our hearts and he sees truly like our intentions behind it. And so ultimately, like, I, I do think that it ends up being very similar as far as the guilt goes. Like, we were trying to kind of, like, show on paper that we did less, but, like, God sees beyond that, and he sees our hearts. Yeah, uh, I was talking to a student, and I was meeting up with them, and we're chatting, and I'm asking them about life, how things are going. 
and he was telling me like, Hey, I, I cut out sex with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Our relationship has gotten so much better. Um, and he was ta- talking to me about all these steps that he had taken since camp. And man, I was like, so pumped up and I'm encouraged. And he's like, I've only, I only got one thing that I'm still doing. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean by that? And he's like, I smoke pot before I go to bed. And I was like, okay, like why? And he's like, I just, my sleeping pattern is really jacked up and pot helps me sleep better. I'm like, okay, explain more to that. And he's like, well, I'm not hurting anybody. I don't do it with anybody. So like, I'm not like having anybody, nobody's being influenced to do that. Yeah. It's just for me to sleep. It's not like a recreational thing. Um, and so like, I feel like we can kind of do that sometimes with yeah. things where it's like, come on, God knows like, you can't sleep unless you smoke pot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just thinking like, I'm just thinking like fill in the blank with whatever else it is. You know what I'm saying? Like one of the biggest reasons why like masturbation and pornography is such a big issue is because we justify the thought that like, well, I'm not hurting anybody, I'm not doing it with anybody else. And it helps relieve my stress. I'm going to marry this person anyways. Yeah. So I think that we like we make excuses for it. And yep. so I I would I would pray that anybody's that listening to this podcast because I know when you start to justify things, mm-hmm. you start to push that guilt down and you don't feel it because right. you're pushing it down. I just pray that if you're listening to this, whatever that thing that you're making excuses for right now that that would kind of bubble to the surface and you just be like, "Okay. You know what? I think I need to I need to make some changes." So, moving on, um verse 26 i'm going to go back and read it it says um well 25 it says they abused her all night until morning and in the dawn uh, began to break they let her go and as a morning appeared the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where the master was until it was light and her master rose up in the morning and he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way so he was like ready to leave he wasn't even looking for he he had he literally slept he was fine yeah what a hor- like honestly horrible person which just goes back to show that when he ultimately like at the beginning of this chapter it seems like it, this guy's a good guy right it seems like oh man like even his concubine like he's going it, to speak kindly to her yeah he's like speaking gently like there's like good takeaways there like this guy's a good guy like this is a good example to follow he cares about her he loves her whatever it is and this just shows like his true heart towards her. It's like he yeah. saw her as a piece of like, like flesh for his desires or for whatever it was. Like sometimes concubines are just there for sex. Sometimes they're there for like household like chores and labor and that kind of stuff. Uh, it could even just be for additional kids if you're really trying. Cause like in, in their culture, like the more kids you have, like that's where you get a spread like your influence and that's your ancestry. Right. And so like for him, he, he sees her as like something to be used. And so that's why it wasn't hard for him to be like, take her. I don't care because he'd been doing the same thing like all along, which just speaks to his heart. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that like, that's, that's the response that you get from that is like, take her. Yeah. And I feel like the, the story here is so extreme. You don't, this, I hope yeah. That this doesn't happen, <laughs> but I, you don't hear about this very often. No, you don't. But I do think that there's lots of relationships out there where there's guys out there that speak kindly to girls, yeah, to get them back into a relationship, or vice versa. There's girls out there that are able to manipulate guys or whatever relationship there is. Yep. And so I just 
I just hope that you really have a good community around you and listen to them. If you if you have friends that are telling you that person is no good, yeah, and you have to justify, well, um, you need to see us when we're together. Like we're such a good Dude. good match, and like Gosh, we really know yes. how to like have fun and laugh and giggle. Well, like remember the last time you broke up and how horrible they were to you and what yeah. they said? Well, they didn't really mean it. Like, come on. If you have people speaking into you, like trust them. And if they're good friends and they're good to you and they're the ones that are consistent, trust yeah. them more than the one that's inconsistent. And that's like why it's so important to have emotional boundaries when you have relationships. Like most of the people that listen to this podcast are in that high school to college range. And this is like the exact message for them. You can, this can still apply to older people if they are dating, but like it's, it's a dating fest for high schoolers and college students right now where like you get into a relationship with someone and you are so quick to like be affectionate, to be intimate, hold hands, kiss, like talk about like all of, you know, your, your intimate like parts of you that you don't share with other people really. And then what happens is that you've gotten like so close to them. You feel like you've been dating them for six years, but it's been a week. And then when someone says like, you're hanging out with that person, that's the person you're talking to? Dude, no, 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 no. That, that dude has been with like 17 other girls and like he is a heartbreaker. Or it's, you know, like that girl, no, 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 bro. Like that is, that's her game. That's what she does, that she is not, you do not want to be around her. And But they already have the emotional ties, which makes it so hard for them to like split apart and be like, this isn't good for us. That's why so many toxic relationships happen is because they don't set emotional boundaries. They don't set spiritual boundaries. They get way too close, way too fast. And then they find out that this isn't good, but they're either stuck in it because of guilt because they've done something like sleeping with each other where you're just like, I feel like I have to stay committed to this now. Like we've done some really serious things or you're just like, I feel like, you know, he has his good side and he has his bad side, but like, I really justify like the good times. And like, that's, that's like what I really like to focus on. I'm going to ignore those other things. Like everyone has something they have to work on, right? Like everyone has something that they need to like improve on in their life. Like we all have our struggles, but like when it comes down to like the person you're probably trying to spend the rest of your life with, like you marry into those problems and they amplify when you get married. They don't diminish. They don't go away. And like, you're not supposed to be their counselor. You're not called to be their like guidance and teacher and like to literally carry them for the rest of their life. Like you have to remember that like at the end of the day, like each of us has our own path and our own relationship with God that needs to be our first priority. And if we stray away from that and we believe that like the person that we're in a relationship with, like it's our responsibility to like make sure they're close to Christ and like check in and you're like doing all these weird things where it's just like above and beyond the extremes of like what it looks like to have like a godly relationship, it can become really unhealthy really fast. Yeah. I think something that's really, I know something that's really nothing. <laughs> dangerous is some people go into relationships because they want to fix someone like they really want to help them yeah. like they like i think that it's a really genuine man this person's struggling and i care for them and i love them and i want to help them yeah but what if two outcomes here they do change mm -hmm. and now they don't need you anymore mm -hmm. they love you yeah. but now you have a different relationship with them because you initially got in the relationship to fix them they're yeah. fixed now and now you're not as needed yeah. They're not as dependent on you and now you're struggling yeah. because the relationship changed for you or two, they don't change mm -hmm. 
And now you're in this constant cycle where there's all these negative red flags and constantly going in, but now you're stuck. Yeah. And so going into a relationship to heal someone and fix someone, there's not a good outcome for that. Yeah. Like that is not healthy. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go back to this sad story. So um, the master rose up in the morning. He opened the doors and at the house, and he went to go on his way. Behold, there was this, his concubine laying at the door of the house with her hands up on the, on the doorstep. Like she's just, you can just feel that she had been crawling back. She finally gets to the door for help. She holds it and she just passes away. She's just been abused all night and she couldn't do it anymore. And he walks by her body and he says, get up, let's get going. But there was no answer. Then he picks her up, puts her on a donkey and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into 12 pieces and sent her throughout the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. Like even the people of Israel were horrified. And we're going to go into chapter 20 in the next mm-hmm. in the next podcast. Um, but this is the end. So we're kind of left on this cliffhanger. We don't really know what's going to happen in the next chapter yet. But this guy, man, horrible. Just treats her horrible. He he divides her, and it's sick, and it sickens Israel. I'm going to kind of give you a cliffhanger, but this massive war kind of breaks out mm-hmm. because of what happened. And I just want to I just want to talk to you real quick about the butterfly effect. This man is mean to his wife. He's kind of, even though he speaks kindly to her, he kind of still has a grudge for her. Yeah. Sleeping with her, sleeping with somebody and being unfaithful. It's a transactional relationship. And so she cheats. He's mean. But the butterfly effect is it creates a war. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what your words to someone at your school, what your words to someone at work, what your words to someone online yeah, is going to ripple effect into. No idea. Yeah. I think uh, like one of the extreme examples that really is relevant today is like school shootings. Like obviously there's a much deeper issue that's going on there rather than just like one word or like one sentence that you say to someone. But like... Everybody, like everyone is on edge today, dude. Everyone, because of COVID, because of mental health issues, because of a lot of people in isolation, like so many issues have come up that like people are just on edge and some people lead to radical decisions. Others don't. But like at the end of the day, like you, you never know like what someone's going through and like what can really come from like your actions. And so just like being so cautious to speak life into people and to speak well of them and not to to let your sinful side kind of take the, take the stage and your prideful side and your arrogant side or, um, whatever it is and, and like speak ill of other people or just choose actions that ultimately like you might think have a small effect, but can lead to like extremes. And that, and that's not to say that like, I'm not trying to make the case that like a, a, 
a school shooting happens and it's because you said one mean word. Like I do not want to place that kind of guilt on someone. Like there's much deeper truths that need to be addressed for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But we still like need to understand the weight of our words. Like James talks about it. Like it is the smallest, like one of the smallest parts of the body, yet it is the most powerful. Like a spark can start an entire fire in a forest and set it ablaze. But it is like, it is untamable by man. And we still to this day do not put enough weight to our words and how powerful they can be. But it's cool because I've been able to witness how impactful words of positivity in life go. Like they do the same effect. Like it's not just that our tongue can be destructive, but it can also bring life. And so like we, we don't realize that, but it's really cool to see when you just like are intentional about speaking life into people. Like we've kind of talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. Like we don't really speak affirmations into people and some people have never heard them in their entire life. Um, but like you can see like really cool ripple effects when you just speak well of other people and speak lovingly and kindly and, um, in ways that like is kind of contrary to the world and what people are used to. Like it, it also has a ripple effect and can have great change. Yeah. This is why I think, right now is a really awesome time to be a Christian is because 80 years ago, um, it was the thing to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. It was the thing to be a part of, um, to have your Sunday suit and to, yeah, to be a Christian right. meant you were a good person. Yeah. And so lots of people were Christian and then you have, you know, the generation right before me, they started to kind of fall away from Christianity, but they grew up in the church. So they had these good moral values. They learned stuff, the Bible stories, all this stuff. But Just then they call them what like, they are, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> so then they, but they kind of stopped going to church. Yeah. And then now it's really not that cool to go to church. I mean, in some areas you have pockets that have really good uh, communities and influence, but Christianity is just not the same. Right. It's not looked at the same as in the 1920s, 1930s, as it is now in 2020. Yeah. Kind of crazy to think about. Like that. So this is why it's so cool is because back in then to be a good person was just kind of the thing to be someone to go to church was kind of the thing. Right. And really wasn't as influential. Now, if you're someone who goes to church and you are nice and you do speak good things and you do live out your walk and you're bold in it, man, the weight that you have is so much more than it used to be. Yeah. That's sick. Like yeah, you cool. can really impact somebody by being devoted and legit. Yep. That's fun. Like, yep. man, you can have impact. Yep. I agree. We, we live in such a unique, <clears throat> we live in such a unique world today and things can spread like wildfire. And most of the time, the things that spread wildfire are not good for society. Like the, it's just, it's, it's not, it's usually gossip. It's horrible things that people are doing, whatever it is. Um, but those times where it is life, where it is positivity, like you do radiate and, um, like you, you might not get to see that fruit. Like you might not get to see the true impact that you have with that stuff, but it shouldn't discourage you from doing it nonetheless. And I just, I get to hear cool stories all the time of people that it was like, like, why did you come to like know Jesus? And more often than not, the response is that they saw someone in their life when they met someone that just, was so radically different from the rest of the world because of the joy they had, because of the kindness of their heart, because of their servant heart, um, their their welcoming hospitality and invitation and community, all of those things. And they're like, the world 
could never offer something like that to this extent. And so getting to hear those stories is really cool and encouraging, but, um, you might get to hear those stories. You might not, but nonetheless, like it, like we live in a day and age where when people find something they love, like it, it spreads and people share it. And so we see like viral videos of like random acts of kindness and like people that go and like pay for someone's groceries or that kind of stuff. And like people love those things. Um, but like we can do one better and be more than just kind and like point people to Jesus. Cause that is the greatest gift that we can give. Man, sad episode, yeah. but really good content. Mm-hmm. So I hope that you're encouraged by today. And I, and I know it's hard to walk through some of these things in the Bible where it's like, man, this is a story, but this is what I, this is what I personally love about the Bible mm-hmm. is it's honest. Yeah. It tells you how it is. Hey, there was a time where Israel sucked and they needed God right. and they didn't have him. And like, this is where we go um, when we have it. And you brought it up. Like some people are struggling in America today where that kind of thing is stuff that like excites them sexually or is the things that they look for. And it's so sad, but we read that story and we're like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. But People are struggling with that stuff today here in America. And it's like, we need to speak truth. God is the thing that changes lives. So be bold in your faith. We are living in a great time where being a Christian is influential. It has weight. Be the difference. Be the difference. Sweet stuff. All right, guys. Well, hope you loved that episode. If you did, leave us a review, share it with your friends, share it on social media. That's a, that'd be huge if you guys did that. Um, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Support us through our shop, askuswhyshop.com. If not, be following us on social media. And other than that, we hope you have a great Friday. Have a great weekend, you guys. Love you guys. Thanks. Peace out. <laughs>